0: Podcast is part of the sports social Podcast network So it's uh all for play for still I think so do you want to bet against us?
1: Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast and no don't adjust your TV sets. Paddy hasn't taken anti-aging cream as you can see here beside us nor has he changed his name. I'm delighted today to welcome in Jacob from the Canary cast and Jacob obviously is here to talk to us about Emi Buendia. Having seen him for the last three seasons um, with uh, Norwich I was you know I've done a bit of bit of working in myself but you know, I defer to the professionals in this one and refer to the ex- refer to the experts, should I say. So, Jacob, welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and, uh, you know, agreeing to chat to us today about Emi Buendia.
0: Uh, thank you, mate. I think this will be the uh, the very last time I'm able to. So it's, it's a pleasure to be able to kind of, uh, yeah, tell yourself and all of your listeners about just such a how much of a good player he is and how much you're going to look forward to uh, watching him for a few more years to come, I think.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's not often I think that you have Aston Villa um, dominate, well, I'm going to say dominate the airwaves, but they haven't really because of Euro 2020-21. But, uh, you know, be the first aggressor in the transfer market, making a big signing, breaking our transfer record, and obviously breaking the the, the seller's fee from the Norwich side as well. But tell us a little more. We've all seen Emmy Buendia in the Premier League last year, and, and and some people would have watched him in the championship. But he's obviously been called up for the Argentinian squad. What makes Emi Buendia tick? What What have you guys seen, I suppose, over the last three years that really makes you, I suppose, heartbroken, really, that he's leaving your club?
0: Yeah, well, the Premier League was an interesting one. Obviously, only got the one goal, got seven assists. But if you look at the, the Charles Craig's act, he was up there with the likes of De Bruyne, Grealish, he was in the top four, Trent as well. And in a team that scored 26 goals, we were like, wow, this kid, whilst he was slightly at times kind of, not always at his top level in the prem. I think he kind of delayed on the ball bit, um, gave away a couple of silly penalties. Um, it was probably in a non-COVID market we'd have, we would have lost him. But um, now we are back. Now we obviously had that issue. That no one really was wanted to take that risk on him. We were obviously always going to want the same amount of money even when we went down. Um, and in the Championship, there was a couple of rumours about him at the start of the season. It was like, oh, OK, he might not really want to play ball it kind of seems to have come out that we said to him, look, Emmy, you have a good season and we'll let you go regardless of who comes in for you. They match the offer that we want, then you will go. Um, and yeah, he's just gone him on and been absolutely tremendous. Like I've never seen for me uh, in such in depth a player, that is such a elevated force in a, in a league, every single game, it was just, he just took the ball on and you could just tell that the defense was petrified of him. And, well, 15 goals, 17 assists from 39 games. You you look at that, 32 goal contributions. I think it was about 42% of our goals he was con- he contributed to, which is yeah. not bad for obviously the champions. And yeah, he was. we would not have finished in those top two places without him. I think that shows just how good he was. And he is definitely Premier League ready. I think the only surprise from Norwich fans is that it was Villa, simply because we think he's probably European ready. And what you'll probably look at again if when he, as soon as he fits into that system, and he's ready to go. You'll probably look at a guy and go, "Wow, he really—the ceiling for him. There is, there is no ceiling because his potential is is unlimited, really."
1: That's really interesting. You spoke of a, of a guy that took the ball down, carried the play to the opposition, was um, pivotal in goal creations, goal attempts, forty two percent. You mentioned there. Sounds really familiar to me, I'm going to be honest with you, Jacob. Sounds really, really familiar. It sounds like he's maybe a shorter, more uh, Spanish-speaking Jack Grealish
0: and uh, he plays on the right-hand side. No, it feels exactly like that because without him, we've won two games in three years without him. He um, hasn't missed that many, not through injury, more, more, mainly through suspension, which we'll go on to later about his discipline. That's probably one of two chinks in his armour. But no, it's the, if you watch our games regularly or even just through the YouTube clips, the whole um, Daniel Farker system, he's obviously been there the last four years, it all goes through Emi Buendia from that right-hand channel. He drifts in and can kind of create wherever he wants to. And it just doesn't look the same without him. I think, again, this season, we will have to kind of slightly alter our, our game simply because he's gone, because it just all flows and went correct. As When you take him out, it looks wrong. You're like, wow, this is there's a massive Emi-shaped hole. And Now it's going to be very interesting to see how we replace him, but now he's magnificent, and it's probably the best kind of uh, comparison I can give you guys about Grealish is us about Emi Buendia, really.
1: Yeah, and I, I think this is probably what prompted Aston Villa to you know pull out the wallet, maybe write a check for not more than they wanted to spend on um on Amy Buendia, but maybe for their first transfer of this of the off season. Um, to go in just to break the bank like they have. Because we have heard from Dean Smith and from Christian Perslow, um, less so, but we have heard from, from from rumblings from the club that it won't be 100 million season again, like, off-season, like it has been for Aston Villa the last two off-seasons. No, we'd be absolutely delighted if they call our bluff and they do do it. Like As you know, every football fan wants to blow the budget and, and to buy the best players and make an attempt for the top. But to spend... But rumored from anywhere between thirty to forty million on Emmy Buendia, not even including um transfer uh, add-ons and so on, just probably goes to show how highly that Norwich think of him as well. If you're putting in a ten percent um ten percent fee on on any future sales, usually that's on the profit of any future sales. So you know they must be thinking this guy can go to the moon and back. And when you mentioned that he was um he he was. Europe ready, that's really gotten me excited because so far, and I know I've I've actually listened to your guys' podcast on um on Bundia, um and but, but so far really all that we've got is the highs and the lows from Arsenal fans and not having a go at them, they've been the yes, is gonna put us into the title competition conversation to well, we never really wanted him anyway, and <coughs> You know, that's not really fair of a categorization of M- Bendia. So brilliant stuff. And thanks so much for giving us that, that kind of input. But you mentioned one thing there that was so so intriguing to me. You mentioned you mentioned you brought Daniel Farke in there. And I think I think he is an absolutely brilliant case study for management within the British system. And um and I know we're going a small bit off piece with dia there, but he plays a four-two-three-one. And what do you think the main you mentioned that like everything goes through Emi Buendia? And and like you know, if we've got so if we can put everything through the left hand side for some games, the right hand side for other games through Buendia and Grealish, look, no one's going to complain about that. But what do you think the main aspects of Farka ball or whatever, um, uh, whatever they call it? I know there's some name for it, but uh, what are the That's main cool. aspects of that for Norwich at the moment, and why what is it that actually makes Buendia so pivotal
0: to it? Well, it was quite interesting. It's, it's kind of developed over the last couple of years. So When we won the championship a couple of years ago, obviously we played you guys yourself as well. And it was very, very possession-based. It was 70% more, more often than not. And kind of just the fluidity is something we've never seen, interchanging of, of roles between the front three behind Pukki. And it was pass the ball to death until we um, get through. It, and then did the same with the Premier League. And we got basically annihilated. The fullbacks were too high and then you kind of got on the counter-attack, as you guys will know, the Premier is just a different beast. Once you make a mistake, our midfield was quite poor. We had technicians rather than kind of powerhouses in there. There was no real legs and we just kind of got overrun. And this season, we've kind of just gone uh, a bit more tall, physical and pace. They've they're been the main three attributes and kind of a little bit more street smart. Um, whilst we've still had a lot of the ball, we've been able to grind out results. So we've kind of... Uh, defensively, would be a hell of a lot better. And that's something that Emmy does so well. As a right winger, you'd see from like the kind of flamboyant South American countries, you'd think, oh, he'll attack well, but he might not defend well. No, this guy, if you look at his heat map, he'll go anywhere. It doesn't matter if he's on the ball or not. He'll go and win it back. Sometimes in his first year, he's a little bit sloppy, gave away a couple of penalties, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. He will go wherever he needs to go to get that ball and will win it back. He will not give up sometimes the red mist can come over and uh, you will be able to see, uh, there was a game we did a live stream on, he got kicked a few times, we like bookmark, yellow card guaranteed, 20 minutes later, he gets that yellow card and gets subbed off, because it's like, yeah, you know with him, he, he kind of sometimes throws the arms up in the air without fans, you can hear him swearing a lot, he sometimes mm-hmm. does a with Daniel Farker, but it's that love-hate, he, he whinges at times, but he doesn't get the ball, but um, he's so good that you don't really care, he's the only player I've ever seen that it has got a red card at Norwich and will find an excuse for anything else. Oh, it's somebody who's kicked him, it's therefore well, or the ref's dodgy decision. You'll love that much, you won't really
1: care. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> once again, you're you're kind of you're kind of <laughs> describing Jack Grealish. Barred the red cards, yeah. you're kind of describing Jack Grealish. I don't know if refs are gonna like coming to Villa Park so if <laughs> that's no, gonna no. be the case to have forty two thousand in the stadium and have Jack Grealish barrel out of it from one side of the field and Emmy yeah. Brendan. You know, from the other side of the field. I I I don't know about that. But look, I suppose that's the way the game has gone. It never did Wayne Rooney any harm, you know, when he was in referees' faces, nor did it do Roy Keane any harm, I suppose. You know, they always got the, the decisions they needed to get. So I suppose uh the old age old saying that, you know, if it is a foul it will even itself out over the course of the game. But uh hopefully um yeah, a couple of a couple of uh, bits of duct tape maybe over the mouths of yeah. Jack Ely and Emmy Bundia might do. But uh, you mentioned a very, very interesting one there um about uh, about Emi Bundia's heat map. And that to me was right. Re- like you know, you can watch a player and you can watch a player. And I'm a big believer in yes, statistical analysis is fantastic and I do an awful lot of it. And sometimes I, I, I'm probably overly focused on it, but I have watched Bundia in five games. Um, but if I was to watch Bundia and not look at his statistic, Or Sorry, if I was to just look at his statistical analysis and not watch yeah, I might come away with maybe about 65 to 70% of what the statistical analysis, analysis says. But there's this 30%, and I'm going to call it 30% of magic, because when you look at the w- w- the opposite side, when you watch him play and you don't look at the statistical analysis and you don't see how far he actually does track back and how often he does that and how good he is in defence, it's, it's a real mind-blower. But talk to me about his defensive duties, because... You know, he's only a slight guy. He's only like five, four, five, six, five, seven. Like he's not, he's not a tall guy. He's not a slight guy. He plays with a, you know, he looks like he looks like a kid, to be honest with you. You know, when he's out in the field, but he's not afraid to win back possession. And I think it was against. Um, I think it was against Sheffield Wednesday when uh Tom Cantwell scored the absolute belter that he busted got to get back to the middle of the field, won the ball back, stood up and played an absolute beauty of a pass to Cantwell for the goal. Is that so was that an anomaly or is that a feature of his game? Uh, sums it up.
0: It, actually that goal perfectly sums every up. He takes a free kick. The free kick is rubbish. Free kick, they never lay him on a free kick. Uh, he's never scored one. I think he's had one on target his whole Norwich career, but he still takes them because he's obviously the main man. Um, so, yeah, free kicks, just, yeah, write that down as the chink in the armour. Um, so, yeah, puts a bad ball in, ball gets cleared, and then he goes and wins it back because he's so frustrated at himself. And then he's got Ben Gibson next to him, who's on our team. He pushes him out of the way and goes, look, this is my ball. And then, like you say, plays a beautiful ball to... Campbell, who barely needs to break his stride, and then it's a wonderful finish. That is everybody there in, in a nutshell frustration um, and then wonderfulness. He's on such a fine line. If you, if you just go to the villa Park and just watch him, it's just him for the 90 minutes. It's fascinating because he's either so frustrated himself or so just in the zone of, right, I'm going to take on four men, beat them all, then play in Ollie Watkins, Jack Green, whoever. And then set up a beautiful goal. It, he is just so fascinating. He's on such a fine line. It's it really is. He's such a great player to watch. And yeah, like you say, um, defensively, he's magnificent. He'll go and win the ball back. Like you say, he's slight, only five foot seven, but he puts his body in so well and he's bulked up well um, over the last few years. He's got himself used to um kind of the, the championship and Premier League rigors. And also South America, it's almost like he plays in a cage at times. He is just so aggressive, so I want that ball back now. It's it is fascinating to watch, but yeah, he will never be uh, one of those players who loses it and doesn't win it back. He will be on it like a yeah, so 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 much. He's he's brilliant like
1: that. The big uh, question I think our Villa fans are going to be screaming at this podcast about is: yes, we know he plays from the right hand side predominantly for Norwich. Every single Villa fan, if you were to put truth to him, will say, "Yeah, look, we're going to play him through the centre. We're going to play him in the ten role. Can he play the ten role?"
0: I think he can. I think it takes away from his game. I was I was watching obviously England the other day with Grealish in the middle, and I felt the same. Like he's better from the left because he's got that time and space. Like if Emmy needs to go out wide to get the ball, he will. In that number ten role, he'll have two or three on him, and that can be where frustration sets. And he will leave. He loves to leave that position. So with the right wing, I'd imagine Matty Cash will then come forward and be able to kind of fill that void of where your right winger is in the middle. He can play there, but for me, it takes away from him. It, to be fair, though, he's elevated himself to such a level. I never saw him scoring 15 goals in a season because his finishing has always been slightly off before this year. I think he's a player who is so good that he can easy, easily elevate himself to any kind of position, really. You could even play him in the eight in the later career, but for now, obviously, he's bearing that those kind of front free spaces. For me, I'd rather keep him on the right. He can play 10. But I'd like to see him on the right again. And that's where you'll see him really flourish, I think.
1: That's really interesting, really intriguing, because that that, that kind of almost... Plays Dean Smith's hand as to what his thoughts are of in the off season. Considering we've been linked to James Ward-Prowse, I myself don't think it's going to happen. If it does, they told us a straight out lie that they're not going to spend 100 million this year <laughs> because they'll be they up against it at that stage. If they do, they've been. We've also been um, linked to uh, Pape Mata Sarr as well from Mets, 18 year old. So for me, this looks like Villa are going to go from the four two three one to more of a four three three kind of formation with Grealish and and Brandia playing in the in the withdrawal on wide wide forward roles, which uh, that's that's saucy stuff, to be honest, which I'm I'm really, really enjoying the thought of that. But um, that's a good piece because in my analysis, I I, I spent an awful lot of time wondering, could he play in there? And I think maybe he could because the way Dean Smith plays is almost – he plays that 10 role almost as as another striker like Ross Barkley played really close to to Watkins and I was thinking if the two of those guys were like like bees running in around the the central defensive midfielder and the two center halves it could be an interesting one. It's that this, this, this for me is what I'm most interested to see is where he plays regardless of who we sign because of his uh his live where latent kind of uh technical ability that he's going to bring to the ball whether he's just kind of a joker that pops up anywhere and and brings a different aspect of the Direction of the attack, and yet we keep Grealish uh, tied to the left-hand side, so that you know we have that outlet that the team knows how to do in their sleep as well. It's just really, really interesting. Um, what's your kind of feeling? What's your what's your hope for Norwich for this season, uh, Jacob? Like, where where do you think like? Uh, I know it's it's not signed in signed in delivered Villa all but announced it uh, to say, listen, he just has to do a medical, make sure he doesn't get injured against Colombia tonight, um, and and he's going to be a Villa player. But what's you guys obviously have had to? It's not your first rodeo having to replace a big player, in Madison betting uh, Godfrey both have left over the last last two or three seasons and you've reinvested the money. Are you guys confident in uh, in, in the club to reinvest it? And the name of the CEO or the the, the transfer guy, the, the head of whatever it is, his name escapes me at the moment. Um,
0: are, you, are you confident that he's going to be able to do the job? Yeah, it's an interesting one because like you say, so Stuart Webber's name you're thinking of, Um um, it's an interesting one because I say Madison, Godfrey, Lewis um, even Alex Pritchard we sold them all for good profit when we were in the championship and Madison and Pritchard for example were needed Godfrey, Lewis just made sense because obviously we have just gone down this one's fascinating because obviously no I can't really remember it, even off the top of my head ever a championship side going up and then selling their best player before a ball's kicked there's obviously a lot of frustration from Norwich fans you're thinking where's the ambition then you look at it and you say, our model is buy them cheap, like we've done with wendy a relative unknown, build them up to a level, and then have that agreement to then go on. That's how we're then going to get future kind of big prospects over other clubs who who would be kind of a bigger place to go to immediately. um Like I say again, if we if we kept him against his will, I could imagine boys uh, being thrown out of the pram, and then there's just no point. It looks like it was a natural parting of ways eventually, but it's going to be so fascinating. You know, obviously Premier League means more money to spend. I think we're going to have a, well, potentially now with Buendia coming That's about 32 million up top, we had about a 30 million budget anyway. So I think in my mind, I want all of that spent 62 million on six, seven players to really strengthen the squad because it needs it. Um, There's no direct replacement for me. Buendia again, as you'd say, probably with Jack Greenish, it's so unique in the way he plays that it's not going to happen. Um, but it's going to be fascinating. It, I, I'm holding judgment until the end of, you know, the transfer window to really be able to judge it. But at the minute, obviously, we're in a bit a slight disarray, to be honest with you, because without your best player, who's created, like, say, 42% of your goals last season, you think, wow, we're really going to struggle. But um, it's going to be fascinating to see it. It's, the only thing is, it's just going to be gutting when we have to bring Emi back, because it's almost guaranteed he's going to destroy us. <laughs>
1: Yeah it's, uh, we were saying in um we were saying in, in in chats beforehand that I know exactly how you feel and I don't take this lightly and when I actually asked you to come on the podcast I made a big deal out of saying listen I'm not gloating and I'm so sorry for this because A 13 year old me when when Dwight York was sold to Manchester United. If podcasting was a thing and if I was doing a podcast and someone asked me to go on a podcast, I would have told them to go go take a short, long walk off a sharp pier, you know. But, uh, so, so thanks so much for that. And, And as I said, uh, what 20. Two twenty-three years on. I'm just about over the Dwight Arc, uh Dwight Arc sales. So um uh, I do I do feel your pain. And look, you know, we've not been in this position as Aston Villa, uh, as Aston Villa football club for a long, long, long time where we've been aggressors, as I say, in the market. And and it just goes to show what our owners have really like just just flicked the switch at Aston Villa. We have Two relatively unknown owners, and it's great to see sometimes when people go, how can X, how can they afford X, Y, and Z, and then like you just go, well, we've got, you know, we've got one of the richest men in Africa, and we've got another fellow who owns. You know an NBA franchise, so we're okay for cash. We're okay for cash, but once again, financial fair play and whatever. I'm I'm sure there'll be something written about financial fair play to come with Aston Villa over the next couple of years. Whether it's whether it's proven to be true, whether it's an actual thing, there will definitely be questions asked. I would say at some stage, but going to ride this gravy train till it till it till it stops. That's uh, in that front three as well
0: is going to be fascinating with with uh, with Grealish and Wendtia. I Emmy's mean, always been the main man at Norwich. And yes. it's going to be so fascinating to see what he's like. If Quidditch if does stay out, I presume he will. Um, I think
1: he will too, yeah.
0: He wants the ball so much, I Emmy. Mean. And Jack, there's so many comparisons you could make. Jack's on a different level at the moment. Of course, yes, uh, watching him for England, it's, it's wow, It's he is incredible. Emmy can easily get to that level and it's just going to be such a good watch. To be honest, Watkins is the luckiest forward, I think, in the Premier League. To be honest, just the, the amount of chances they can make for him is going to be absolutely like crazy, really.
1: Well, look, as I say, as an Aston Villa fan, I hope your prophecy is true. I really, really do. We've had a lot of false stones before. Um, so uh, I hope your prophecy is true. Uh, Jacob, thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to plug your podcast? I do know for a fact that a lot of the guys here that listen to this podcast like to do their own recce on, on uh, opposition uh, when, when it's coming up the game. So do you want to plug
0: the Canary cast? Yeah, CanaryCast everywhere, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um yeah, we've obviously got an Emmy Brenda video out, which kind of talks yeah. about it. Well, I was quite emotional after that one. <laughs> it was a bit uh, yeah, a bit of a sweet moment. There will be another one coming out when it's actually confirmed. So yeah, yeah. if you want to do other, any other recis, we've done like Arsenal videos before where we kind of that's where we expect him to go to start off with, kind of a uh, kind of yeah, summary of what he's been like and how good he is, like 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 we've done today. But yeah, if you can go and look over that, that'd be brilliant. And yeah, we've got loads of Villa fans kind of comment on the most recent video, which has been great because they they kind of like like yourself. There's been a lot of respect there, which I appreciate a lot. Where Arsenal fans were like, He's coming, he's too big not to, um, he's brilliant. Like, whereas you guys have gone, No, we've just got the money now, and it is the next step. But it's, it's unfortunate that he's obviously had to leave you guys, so yeah, it's, it's been much appreciated. The kind of Villa support, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. You know, it's, it's one of those where. Like I say, I think in two years, with injury aside, Touchwood, I can't see any reason why he then isn't a 60, 70, 80 million pound player. I really can't.
1: Mm. and uh, that will that will butter parsnips in both norwich and in the boardrooms of both norwich and Aston Villa. so it be so that's there's there's a there's a vested interest there as well well jacob thanks so much for popping on to the podcast really really appreciate your time guys you can catch jacob and 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 the podcast on at, at cast canary you can catch us on at love pies. Yeah, I think that's what my, my Twitter handle is. I think it's at Love Pod. I always forget my, my Twitter handle. There's only one for the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, so it's very easy to find it until the imposters come along. But thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. I will be watching. I will be following Norwich with, uh, with greater aplomb this year just to see how they do because, you know, teams that have come up and gone down straight away, And, you know, learning from those, uh, I don't want to say mistakes, but learning from that season and and, and pushing on is is going to be really, really interesting. But, Jacob, thank you so much for popping on and I wish you all the best for the season. Yeah,
0: thank you. No worries. Pleasure as always.
1: Excellent. Thanks, guys. We will see you again later on in the week. We've got a couple of more podcasts coming up. Patty is back from his jollies as well. And uh, in the meantime, all that's left to say is up the villa.
0: Podcast Network.